wanted to just break down a little bit about this concept of death dying because death doesn't make sense to a lot of us, right? Who's ever lost somebody really, really close to them before? Like super close. <laughs> no, I'm talking physically. Actually, actually, you know, you had somebody who, who passed away. Um, just recently, uh, you guys know uh, I was gone for, several, you know, just a couple of weeks out of the, out of the time um, with, uh, with my grandpa. Uh, and that was really the first time that I've experienced uh, death in, in somebody who's close. You see, I'd had great-grandparents who passed away, um, but they, I didn't really know them. Like, they passed away when I was 5, 6, 7, 10. Like, I just didn't really know them as well. But my grandpa, my pop, he, uh, he retired when I was 1. So I got to literally hang out with him all the time because he had free time to hang out. And I loved it, and, and I loved the relationship that we had, and I was so thankful that I got to be with him in the last few weeks of his, his life. And, and then when I came back, um, came back to Arizona after spending some time with him, and that's when we learned that he passed. He died on March 12th, so it's very, very, uh, you know, recent. And uh, we went back, and we had a great celebration of his life, funeral, memorial, whatever you want to call it. It was amazing, but I think, Death just seems so final, and it seems so hopeless. And even when people put their, their faith in Christ and they pass away, it doesn't make us feel any better because we want them here now with us. Even if we know, like, I know where they're at, I know, where they're, I know what they're doing, it still hurts. But what if I told you that death isn't as final and death isn't as bleak as what we experience with our human brains and and life on earth, death does not carry the same weight to God that it does to us as humans in our, in our humanity. And so I want to read um, a bunch of scriptures. We're going to be in John, Matthew, Isaiah, Revelation. Oh yeah, getting into that crazy book at the end. Um, <laughs> and so what I, I think you'll notice the themes that I'm going to talk about here. Um, if you have any questions regarding any of these books, um, it's always important, any, anytime you're jumping around in scripture, I want to preface it by saying, you have to know the book that you're in. Know the context, know what it means, because if you don't, you're going to read crazy passages, and you're going to be a crazy Christian. That's just natural, okay? That's just what's going to happen. So make sure you read your Bible, you read it in context, you're able to understand what the story is actually meaning, because if you start any other book, like we're in John chapter 11, if you start any other book in chapter 11, you better at least read the spark notes from 1 through 10, right? Same way. Same way with the Bible. And so just, just be aware of that. We're not going to hit on what each uh, story is here. A lot of these you might even recognize. The first one is in John 11. Um, Jesus uh, has just had a friend die himself. Um, his name is Lazarus. And I want to read about what happens after Jesus comes and he sees all the people who were mourning the death. It had been four days. Everybody say four days. days. It had been four days since Lazarus had died. So Lazarus was dead, dead. Okay? Like dead, dead. <laughs> and so uh, this is what it says in John 11, 38 through 44. It says, Jesus, once again, uh, once more moved deeply, came to the tomb. This is where Lazarus was. Uh, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Sound familiar? We'll, we'll read a little bit later. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha, the sister uh, 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 of the dead man said, 
by this time, there's a bad odor. He stinks, okay? He is stinky. And he said, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you were always here. I know that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth over his face. So could you imagine the story of Lazarus? A lot of times we think like Lazarus, he called him out and Lazarus like, what's up? No, no, no. Lazarus is all like mummified, right? So when he said Lazarus, come out, it's probably like, I'm trying to come on, right? We'll just do this like thing. Do a little penguin walk or whatever. Like probably tripped a couple times and like wiggle himself and roll to Jesus. I'm just kidding. He didn't do that, I'm sure. But the dead man came out, and Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Would you guys pray with me just before we get any further? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. Lord, I thank you that, that it's so consistent that even as we jump around your word tonight, it still pr proves and, and tells one cohesive and coherent story Lord, that, that from the beginning to the end, you are exactly who you say you are. Lord, I pray that we would uh, understand and, and take comfort in the fact that we don't have to view death the way that everyone else does. Because we have a victory and we can celebrate that because of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So check this out. So before, before we get any further... I want you guys to know this. And I said, if you had friends, um, you can send this on Facebook or, or YouTube or anything like that. Because I believe that this message is the most clear gospel presentation we might ever get. You know what I mean? Like Easter is just, it, it tailors itself to that. that. That season of Easter tailors itself to a clear gospel presentation. So before we get any further without talking about all of these things regarding how death the concept, the structure of death could actually experience death in itself. We have to understand that Jesus has power over the grave. Jesus has power over the grave. Jesus has power over the grave. That's exciting news for us. He has so much power and so much confidence that as he's standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, Martha comes beside him and is like, hey, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I don't know if you know this. He's dead for, been for four days, okay? He is stinky, okay? He's not coming back, Jesus, okay? Martha thought she was doing a favor to Jesus by coming up to him and being like, hey, man, this ain't going to work. And Jesus said, hey, did I not tell you to believe? Like, did I not just tell you to, to sit down and just believe and trust in me? Jesus knew that he had power over the grave. He knew what was going to happen. You see, bodies in this time, Martha wasn't, out of, out of her mind, she, she was being very reasonable, right? Somebody's dead for four days. You're like, okay, you're probably not coming back. It's probably not going to happen. You know, uh, I, I, I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> um, but in, in this time, bodies actually began to really decompose even quicker because they didn't embalm them, right? They didn't take out the, the blood and the organs and all the nasty, gooey, ugh, gross stuff. 
They didn't do any of that, which meant it decomposed really quick and it stank. Uh, and so spices were added to help hide the smell of decay. But Jesus tells Martha, it's not your responsibility to worry about what is inside the tomb. It's not your responsibility to worry about what I'm doing. All I need for you to do is to believe in me and trust in me. I think that there's a word somewhere in there that, that sometimes we look at our situations and we go, but you don't know like the, the ins and outs. You don't know all of what's going on here. And Jesus is saying, hey, would you just trust me? Like, would you just believe in me? That's all you got to do. I'll, I'll handle the rest. Martha, her responsibility was just to, to believe in Jesus. So Jesus once again takes charge of the, of the crowd and he's like, take away the stone like I said the first time. Jesus prayed knowing that what he was going to do wasn't merely for Lazarus, but he even says it. I'm not praying because I already know this. Me and the Father, Jesus and the Father, we, we know this thing, okay? He's saying, I'm doing this for all these other people so it can increase their faith. Jesus wasn't doing this for, even for Lazarus. Because guess what? Lazarus was going to die again. <laughs> Lazarus didn't like live immortally. That's not what happened. Lazarus died again. So this wasn't just for Lazarus. I mean, yeah, he might have gotten some extra time. Like, you know, who loves a bonus life in, in video games? Come on. Like, right? Like he might have appreciated that. But what he was going to do, what Jesus was going to do was show the world a taste of God's power and his grace and his love for people. And this was going to be the thing that marked Jesus as unique. So unique, in fact, we'll get into this. This was the very thing that made the religious leaders go, we got to get rid of this guy. Because, like, he keeps raising people from the dead. Everybody's going to believe in him. Like, this is, no, we got to do something about him. Like, this is what happened. This is why they were like, okay, we got to kill Jesus. You see, Jesus was showing his power not to show off or put himself on a pedestal. You guys know people who are really talented or really smart or really good at something, and they know that they're good, so they want to show off and prove how good they are. It's like, congratulations. So good. You know? You're like, I love it. But, uh, yeah, Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was showing his power not because he wanted to show off, but he knew that it was give people around Lazarus, the family, this, these people who are crying for four days, it was going to give them hope. It was going to give them faith. It was going to allow them to see Jesus for who he really, really was. Before Jesus was ever on the cross, he had already demonstrated the power that he had over death by calling Lazarus out of the grave. I think that's amazing. That while Jesus, before he even died himself, already had power over the grave. He was already calling people out. He, he raised a, a little girl uh, from, from death as well. And he said, oh, no, nah, she's just sleeping. Like, she'll get up in a little bit. And guess what? She did. <laughs> like, he, even as he was living, had power over death. And what I think is so cool about this story, and I didn't realize this, because a lot of times, who, who grew up in kids' church listening to the story of Lazarus? Did anybody else get, uh, you know, wrapped up in, in uh, toilet paper? Did anybody else do that? Because I did that. I have a home video somewhere of me wrapped up in toilet paper. It's weird. Um, but so I knew this story. But as I was reading it this past week, I found something that stood out to me that was so cool. 
Jesus, at the end of this miracle, grabs all the people and he says, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. We've already established, we've already established that they were not smelling the greatest. We've already established he was dead for four days. And so when he tells people, hey, I need you to go up in the face of the guy who's been dead and in a tomb for four days, and I need you to go take off the nasty grave clothes that he has, they got up close and personal with the, the evidence of God's power. He utilized the very people who were mourning the death of Lazarus to confirm that he was back, to confirm that he actually was who he says he was. You see, God loves using people to acknowledge and confirm the powerful things that he does. He loves using people not to, he, he loves using people to show his power, but he loves using people to confirm his power, to acknowledge his power, to recognize and say, yep, this is legit. If you didn't believe in Jesus after this, if you were one of those people who he pulled up and said, I need you to take the grave clothes off of this, this dead guy for four days, and you have to smell all the nastiness that he probably, he, right? <laughs> Let's be real. If you still didn't believe that Jesus was who he says he was after you looked at Lazarus, after you heard him speak, and after you definitely smelled him, <laughs> if you didn't believe in Jesus, what else were you going to need? Is exactly why I said, like, the religious leaders, they looked at this and they said, no, 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 we can't let this keep going. We got to get rid of this guy. Have you guys ever um, have you guys ever watched somebody experience a miracle? Not have a miracle yourself. I'm not saying that, you know, if God is working in your life through miracles, that's amazing. Praise God. But have you ever had God actually work a miracle in somebody else? It confirms, it confirms what God is doing in other people and, and it builds your faith up. I went to a, I went to a, um, I went to a church in Missouri. Um, that I loved a lot. It was called Freedom City Church. Shout out Pastor John and uh, Pastor Hannah. Uh, love those guys a ton. And um, their youth pastor is really cool. His name's Andrew Bieber, and it's spelled just like Justin Bieber. So I ask him if he's his cousin all the time. He's like, no. Anyway, um, <laughs> so good. But Freedom City is located in the poorest and the most drug-inhabited part of Springfield, Missouri. Like, literally, homeless people would just wander onto our, uh, into church and not know where it was, but it was raining outside, and they just needed a place, so, hey, we're going to just come here. Like, this is wh who we dealt with and who we saw come in. And time and time again, we saw Jesus just work in people's lives and change them. And there wasn't a week that went by that I was there where they didn't have somebody, whether it was on, they did church on Fridays and Sundays. There wasn't a Friday or a Sunday that went by where there wasn't at least one person sharing what God was doing in their life. And let me tell you, as somebody who didn't drink, <laughs> I didn't do drugs, uh, I, 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 I didn't do anything bad as a kid, right? Um, I might have popped off to my mom and dad every now and then. I talk about being a punk a lot, but like I didn't do anything terrible. When I heard those stories, it, it built my faith up because, it, it, listen, it, if you don't have a story and maybe you're sitting, I've been in church my whole life, uh, whatever, like that's a story in and of itself. 
But as I was hearing what God was doing in other people, man, it just built my faith up. It just built me uh, up to a level where I'm like, man, I've seen what you're doing in other people's lives. I've seen the transformation that you're, that you're, that you're at work in people. And it always, always, always left me going, man, I'm so encouraged to go out. I said it, um, we were in a, in a meeting just talking about transformation because we're coming off of that series. You know, you can't actually change lives until you've been changed yourself. You can't actually be uh, work, allow God to work through you uh, to change other people if you haven't been changed yourself. And so you can imagine how excited and how dangerous these people were who had just seen what God was doing. Jesus has power over the grave. I want to read another story. Um, in Matthew chapter 27, 57 through 66, we're, like I said, we're jumping all the way around. You're getting your sword drill in tonight. Um, this is what it says. It says, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea, Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. And Jesus took Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. And he put a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and he went away. Uh, Does this sound familiar? Okay, I'm just saying. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. And they said, Sir... We remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver, right? They call, imagine calling Jesus the deceiver. Come on. He was still alive. The deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal. Everybody say steal. steal. Might steal the body and tell the people that he has been uh, raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal and a stone on the stone and posting the guard. Guys, um, you guys ever seen like in movies and stuff where they have like the huge max security prisons, especially in like superhero movies. They're like, all this, that's what this tomb was. Because they looked at it and they said, oh no, like maybe, maybe Jesus is going to like, I'm going I'm to actually explain to you. There are two theories, one of which I didn't know about until this week, and I laughed at it because it was hilarious. So maybe you can laugh at it too. There are two theories as to how the grave isn't significant in the life and death of Jesus. Because I want to let you know this, the grave had purpose. You can't have an Easter story without understanding that the grave, that death, actually had a purpose in the story. A lot of times we, we get into the thing where, where we, we get into Good Friday, which is where Jesus died, and then we're like, yeah, but Sunday's coming. It's like, yeah, but have you guys ever been waiting for something? Have you ever been disappointed? Time seems to go by really slow, right? <laughs> So could you imagine from Friday afternoon when Jesus died all the way up till Sunday morning, how long of a time that was? A lot of times we forget that because the Easter is so good. The story is so good. We're going to get there. I, I promise. 
but we have to actually sit in the in the the, the middle of what the disciples and the apostles and what what the what the people who followed Jesus what they actually said in which was going did did we make a mistake did did we follow the right guy I don't know like Thomas is over here going I don't even know who this guy is like what Peter's like, I don't know him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but there are two theories as to how the grave isn't significant in, or, or even real in the life and death of Jesus. The first one is this, and it's in Scripture, so we know it because they thought it then. And that is that Jesus' body was stolen. They, there are people who really think that the disciples come, somehow ninjaed their way into the tomb because it wasn't Minecraft. They couldn't just, like, hack at the rock or anything, right? I know. This thing, was, this thing was, was on max lockdown. So there are people who think that they actually snuck in or did something and stole the body and Jesus' bones are somewhere, which I think is crazy. Here's the crazier one, okay? You guys ready for this? I didn't know about this one until this week, all right? There are people. Buckle up. Everybody just buckle up real quick. <laughs> I'm serious, okay? I read it this week. There are people who think that Jesus actually didn't die. There are people that think that Jesus didn't die and he faked his death on the cross and he just spent two days like Wolverine in the tomb just like getting hyped up and ready to go and he actually didn't die. He was slowing his breathing or he was faking it and he just came out and he's like, yeah, I raised from the dead and he actually never died. What? Did you read the account of the crucifixion? Jesus should have died before he was even on the cross. Much less, like, like they put a spear in his side and blood didn't even come out because he didn't have any left. Water came out. That's disgusting. You're going to tell me, you're going to tell me, you're, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to tell me that he does all of that and somehow fakes his death and he's been alive the whole time? No, get out of here. <laughs> Check this out. The grave had to have a purpose in this story of Easter. It had to have a purpose. The securing of the tomb had to have a purpose. It had to be secure. It had to be watched. It had to. Jesus had to have died. The presence of the soldiers themselves would have been a greater deterrent to all of the people who would have even thought about stealing Jesus' body. But the seal that they put on the rock actually made it a government site. Actually made it a, a, a government site so that if you stole the body, not only were you just kind of a weird person in general... But it was actually, but 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 it was actually a crime to do that. It was actually a crime. So so nobody wanted to go to jail, especially if you were a Jewish person in, in, in a Roman city. That was not going to be good for you. <laughs> that was not going to be good. The guard was stationed there for the three days to make sure that everything was there. 
But the whole burial scene, all of this stuff of, of Joseph asking to put uh, Jesus in his tomb and for the, the soldiers to come and, and, and for, for the, the tomb to be sealed, all of it stresses the literal physical of, uh, uh, death of, of Jesus. The circumstances of his death, like I said, go back and read what Jesus experienced on the cross. Go back and read what, he, what his body went through, and you tell me that he somehow lived through it. Like, come on. Christ's burial, Christ's death, Christ, his body being in the grave is an integral part of the gospel because Jesus had to die so that the resurrection would be solidified. Because like I said, if Jesus doesn't die, if Jesus is just recuperating in the tomb or something, and he comes out and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm alive. It's like, no whoop, you didn't die. That's not how this works, right? Jesus, if Jesus didn't die, then the resurrection has no meaning or significance. And so sometimes you have to sit, like what I just said, you have to sit in the Saturday of the resurrection story. We have Good Friday, we have Easter Sunday. Sometimes you have to sit in the Saturday to really understand what it meant for Jesus to return. The grave had a purpose. The grave had a purpose. Have you ever found yourself wondering why life seems to get worse when you're believing it'll get better? You ever had that happen before? Like, oh man, things are Things look like they're going to get better, and then it gets worse. And you're like, wait, no, but it was supposed to get better because I didn't think it could get worse. Sometimes God will allow setbacks in your life. Sometimes God allows setbacks in his story, in his plan, so that he can actually move you forward, so that he can actually move his purpose forward. It's like a slingshot effect. Instead of, taking, instead of taking two steps forward and three steps back, you're taking two steps backward and three steps forward. Sometimes that happens with Jesus. I'll share another story. In, in college, in college um, I shared already about how I wasn't the best student, especially my first semester, right? Really bad GPA and all that good stuff. So I finally found my footing in those couple of years, those two to three years that I had in between my senior year. My senior year comes and I'm finally excited because I just finished my internship with my home church in Kentucky. I'm super pumped. I got two more semesters left and then I'm out and I'm gonna do ministry. I'm gonna be a pastor and it's gonna be great. And I'm gonna go to, I don't know where yet in Missouri. I'm in Missouri. I don't know where I'm gonna go yet. I start praying for a youth group. Turns out it was you guys. <laughs> anyway, love it. But, um, but before, before I graduated in about January of 2019, uh, I started noticing I had my first anxiety attack. 20, 22 years old, had my first anxiety attack, um, and it was really freaky. It was really scary because I'd never had that before, and I never had a reason to be anxious. Like, I had a really good upbringing, great parents, great family. I didn't know what was going on, and it really, really freaked me out. And I started noticing, no joke, uh, and this isn't like a sad story or anything like that, but, but 
no joke, I would go to class at like 10 o'clock because I hated morning classes. Go to school at like, like 10 o'clock. I would come home uh, into my dorm. I would eat lunch alone because I didn't want to go into the calf to be with people. I would go, I would eat lunch in my dorm. I would go back out for class and I would be in bed, ready for bed at 3.30 or 4. So I said, um, something's wrong because... I'm old, but I'm not that old, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I was like, something's really wrong. I went into, um, we had free counseling and, and you know, just, just mental health and, and emotional support, which was awesome. And started telling and talking with my, with my counselor. And she said, hey, like, you probably have, like, anxiety and depression, like, legit. How legit? They were like, well... It sounds to me like what you're experiencing and what you're going through, like you really need medication. I'm like, man, I never, I couldn't take a pill until I was 14. Like, I can't do this. And it was so like crazy to me because I'm in my senior year, the last semester of my senior year, and I'm going to go be a pastor. I can't be dealing with the anxiety and depression now. I can't be dealing with all of this stuff right now. Like, what? What? Long story short, I continue to, to, to find counseling. I continue to find help. I link up with good pastors who can encourage me and, and be there for me. And let me, let me just make a, a, a disclaimer. Mental health, taking care of yourself, doing, doing all of these things. Listen, you can have a counselor and a pastor. You can have both of those things. Just keep it in balance. Don't, don't allow medication to take over. Don't allow a counselor to speak into your life more than God does, okay? But you can still have both of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people. There are people who I heard almost drove me out of church, to be completely honest, because they were like, if you, if, you, if you suffer from depression, you don't trust God enough. And I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. But anyway, I say all that to say this. Over the course of that semester, before I actually came out here in, in August, of 2019, July of 2019. Um, uh, we, we can talk about it later. Uh, uh, it's almost three years. Um, so anyway, but uh, I, before I got here, I started working on myself. I started praying. I started really seeking counseling. I started really finding freedom in a lot of these things. And let me just tell you, I still have anxiety attacks. I still have days where I don't feel like getting out of bed. I still, I still struggle with this stuff. But I don't let it control me. It's not my identity. It's not who I am. I found freedom in Jesus. Come on. That is my story. And so I say that to say maybe, just maybe, I find myself looking at that, that thing, that season of my life. That, ah, I don't want to be there. But maybe that was God pulling back that, that, that slingshot so that I can be moving forward, so that I can now stand on this side and tell you there is freedom from anxiety. There is freedom from depression. You don't have to, 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 to rely on just man-made things. Like God is our source of freedom. He's our source of hope. He's our source of strength. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I want to I want to uh, close with with this uh, this reading and worship team. I'll call you up because I still got a little more. It's in Isaiah twenty five. This is where it gets really good. I told you it's going to get good. 
25 verses 7 through 8. This is Isaiah in the Old Testament prophesying. He had prophesied to, to uh, the, the, uh, the, the people of God. And now this was him actually prophetically speaking. So I want to let you know how cool this is. Because this is an Old Testament and a New Testament prophetic scripture. In Isaiah 25, 7 through 8, it says, On this mountain, God, he, will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. Everybody say all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And then in Revelation, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years later, John writes in Revelation 21, 3 and 4, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Jesus had power over the grave before he even stepped foot into what he was going to experience in death. The grave had a purpose because it had to solidify the death of Jesus so we can get to the good part here, which is this, that God has a plan to destroy the grave once and for all. This is exciting stuff, and if you're not excited, I know it's hard to, to get there because you're like, dude, I'm 14. I, I want to get married, and I want to have a kid maybe. Like, <laughs> or maybe you're like, girls and boys are icky. I don't know. <laughs> Revelation always used to scare me because it was like, I, I want to get married first. And then I got married, and now I'm like, I want to have a kid first. Like, come on. Like, it's funny. But check this out. There will one day be an actual day where God will dwell among us and we will actually be able to hang out with a physical Jesus Christ just like the disciples did. There's a real event that will happen where Jesus will really come back. I don't know, man. It'd be interesting. I do know he's going to have a tattoo right on his thigh says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Read about it. It's in Revelation. Jesse, back me up. Come on, you got the scripture. He's got a degree. I, I don't know which. You guys are crazy. Check this out. God will make himself known by his actions at that time. When we are physically not separated from him any longer. Every tear of sadness will be wiped from the eyes of God's people. One of the reasons that we cry is because of death. And even though we know where our loved ones are who put their faith in Jesus, the pain is still there. But there will be a day where even that pain will be no more. It will be completely wiped away. All things will become new and fresh. There will be no heartbreak. There will be no mourning. All things associated with weeping or pain or agony or death will all pass away. 
And it's not just some cool thing that like, oh, Jesus is coming back and yeah, he's going to get rid of all this stuff. No, 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 no. This is the central thing that he will establish when he comes back. It's the central thing when God comes back to establish his reign. When God rules over his kingdom, death will have no power over people. People who put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus. Worship team, if you go ahead and come on, get ready. You see, because of Christ's death and his resurrection, we have a victory. We have a victory over death. Even before he was on the cross, Jesus was showing the power that he had. When he was killed himself, there was so much happening on the, the, that we know that the grave had purpose. And one day when Jesus returns, sadness, sorrow, grief, pain, death will all be gone and we will be separated from God no longer. We will literally be with God. That's an exciting, exciting thing. You see, the good news of the Easter season is that because Jesus rose from the grave, death has died. Come on, say that with me. Death has died. Death has died. We have a new life in Jesus because death has died. We have a new hope and a new foundation and a new thing to look forward to because Jesus conquered the death. Did you guys know, real quick, last thing and then we'll get into this time of, of worship and, and response. Did you guys know that there are still shrines and there are still uh, monuments and, and temples and, and different sacred places for all of the other people who started and who are the, the faces of, of other religions? All of them are dead. And all of them have marked grave sites. And all of them have people who come and they worship the bones and they pray over the bones and they, they sit over the, the tombs and they, they, they think whatever lowercase God they have. They can't find Jesus' tomb. And you're like, okay, well, what does that make sense? They can't find Jesus' tomb because it doesn't matter because he's alive. Come on, they, 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 it doesn't matter where Jesus was put because he's not there anymore. Yo, I, I, know, I know it sounds like I'm crazy, but like I just get so excited about this. It is so exciting to know that because of that truth, because of that fact that we have such a, 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 an opportunity to be with God. So tonight, with, with every head bowed and, and, and every eye closed, if you know Jesus, that's, that's fantastic. I pray that you would continue to know him. I pray that you would continue to deepen your relationship. I pray that he would just show his power. I pray that he would work miracles. I pray that he would use you to do everything it is that, that he's going to do. But tonight, if you have never, never given your 
your heart or your, your mind or you, you've never actually trusted in Jesus. Maybe in your opinion, he's let you down. I just encourage you that maybe you're in that slingshot moment where he's pulling you back and you're going, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And he's saying, just hold on just a little longer because if you do, if you trust me, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. So tonight, if you have never put your hope, your faith, your trust in Jesus, and you would like to, you've never made that decision before, but tonight you're saying, I want, I want to do that. Would you just please just raise your hand? Nobody looking around. I, I, this isn't for metrics. This isn't for us to go, oh, yeah, this person and this person. You've never made that decision. Thank you. I see that. Come on, I, I, if you've never made that decision before and you, and you would like to, man, I think that it's incredible. If you have made that decision, if you have made that decision with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I'm sure that you can think of one or two or three or four or 40 people that don't know Jesus. carry the hope. This isn't just something that I do. This isn't just something that I preach. This isn't just something that I say. This is something we all do. Tonight, if you have somebody on your heart right now, just be thinking of that person. And as I'm praying, would, would you just pray out for that person? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a sister, maybe it's a, a friend, maybe it's somebody who Maybe you don't even know and God is just putting on your heart to, to pray for them and to, to befriend them and to serve them and to love them. I read a statistic that 4% of Gen Z follow Jesus. It's 96% of people who are living in sin and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they're gonna go to hell if they don't make that decision. That's something we don't like to talk about. That's something we don't like to think about because it's not what we want. But guess what? It's our job. Tonight, if you know somebody who needs Jesus, would you just please raise your hand on their behalf? And you, would you just make a commitment to say, I, I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going I'm to show them the love of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross, for, for the fact that you would endure so much pain and heartbreak. You would endure torture. You would endure being mocked and beaten all the way until your death. Lord, you would do all of that so that you could open a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. Lord, I pray right now for, for those who don't know you. I pray for, for those uh, who, who we call friends, maybe we, we call family, Lord. 
who don't know you, I pray that you would use us to not just hear this story and hear the good news about how death has died and we have new life because of it, but Lord, that we would be, we would be burdened to actually carry that and tell that to people who desperately need to hear it. Lord, would you, would you allow us to, to just hold on to, to that person that's on the front of our brain? Would you allow us to, to, to continue to build a relationship with them? Would you allow us opportunities and, and doorways to be able to speak your truth in their life? So that we can, can expand and, and go, not, not, not just go to heaven, but take as many people as we can with us. Lord, that is the goal, the great commission, to go and make disciples. Lord, but we can't make disciples and we can't, we can't do these things if we don't first put our trust and our hope in you. Lord, the story of the resurrection is remarkable. It's a pillar of our faith. And one of the things that makes it so good is that you are so unique in the sense raised from the dead and you are living sitting at the right hand of the Father right now interceding on our behalf we thank you that your word is good, it's true Lord I pray that it would change us and it would change the people around us Lord in Jesus name would, would you just meet us in this time of worship and response in Jesus name everybody said Amen.